Zach, we're back. Here we are. We're not in Arkansas anymore. <laughs> I think that was the last show was in Arkansas. We're back in Chattanooga. This is Freight Anonymous. I'm Anthony Smith, Chief Economist here at Freight Waves, here alongside Zach Strippen, Director of Freight Market Intelligence, also known as the Sultan of Sonar. And this is Freight Anonymous, as I said, where we bring freight and economics together because they make such an excellent pairing. And we've been away for a little bit, but we're back and we'll never leave you again. Until next time. Anyway, I'm excited about this show because we also are reuniting back with someone special. He's been gone for a while. Yes, he's been doing his day job job and teaching the next great generations of thinkers. So how (laughs) dare he? But we're back and we're excited to jump into today's show. Yeah, no, uh, you know, Arkansas was fun. Uh, We had a little bit of a breather in between. We needed it. I'm about to go on vacation. But you know what? I was was like, I'm going to get my Freedomics in before I go out of town uh, for a minute because I need it. But yeah, we're going to have Zach Rogers on today to discuss the latest LMI findings and of course, just talk about the market itself. I mean, this this place has been, we haven't got the full Zach Rogers experience since the thing has turned. Right. Uh, so I think today is going to be a good day for that. But first up, uh, you know, I have done almost nothing in terms of having something to talk about today. <laughs> well, uh, and it's because we have Zach Rogers. <laughs> yeah, we have Zach Rogers and there's just so much there's, material to grab from. So, <laughs> yeah. But we got to start, uh, I think, from the top of one of the things that we've kind of been new since we last spoke on, on freight waves, on freightonomics, I should say, the NTI. NTI. We talked about this at the Future Supply Chain in Northwest Arkansas. It's our National Truckload Index. Uh, I, I was calling it trucking index, but it's the truckload index. Uh, I think it's applicable to trucking, though, in general, because yes. it does. It is a measure of spot rates in the truckload space, drive in specifically. But since it is seventy percent of the goods that move in the for hire market, it's very relevant to know what direction those spot rates are going. As an economist, Anthony, you know how supply demand works. When you have demand exceeding supply, where do prices go? They're going to go down. Oh, demand exceeding supply. It's going to go up. Yeah. What about when supply exceeds demand? Down. Down. It's like that little cross line. Yeah. And that's what the NTI is telling you. It's basically showing you prices go down. Demand is, of course, below the supply level. And carriers start to bid things lower. So the NTI is super excited. We have a few granularities of it, too. One of them excludes all or estimates the total cost of fuel and excludes it. And we talked about this a little bit this morning. I talked about it in my chart of the week the last weekend, how car- we've never had quite this type of environment where cost inflation is moving the exact opposite direction of market rate direction. <laughs> and it is eroding margins faster than the rate implies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, <clears throat> so what I love about the NTI so far is that it's so applicable to different aspects within logistics and outside of logistics as well. So we're looking at movers. Of course, we have OTRI, we have OTVI, we have volumes of rejections. But this is something that you can use outside Mm -hmm. of the logistics industry to get an idea of what's happening within the logistics industry and the overall macroeconomy. Yeah, I mean, you would use it if you didn't know anything about trucking, which now, of course, you've you've been on this show. I feel like you've been paying attention most of the time. Uh, Speaking of which, <laughs> if it looks like I'm not paying attention looking down at my laptop, it's because I'm watching LinkedIn. If you want to jump in to the conversation, just so I happen to be watching between noon and noon 30. Is that a thing? Noon and noon 30. I'll, noon 30. I'll, I'll allow it. Eastern Standard Time on this Thursday afternoon. Jump into the conversation. You can be a part of it. Have a question for Zach. Want to get him canceled? Let's do it together. <laughs> I'm watching on LinkedIn. Shout out so far to Alex Reed and Shantra Gibbons. 
Good morning. Yeah, yeah. So this this environment, and we, I'm ready to get in it with uh, with Zach Rogers here. Uh, but this market environment, the big debate is how deep and how far does it go? Yeah. Um, and that's something I really want to lead off, uh, Doctor Rogers, with. Uh, first of all, welcome to the show <laughs> for summer vacation, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Hi. I'm, my name is Zach. I don't know if I met you guys uh, before. <laughs> It's good. Yeah, it's hey, summertime, the living's easy. So, uh, you know, Zach, you're taking another vacation. What are you, a professor or something? What's going on with you? Yeah, I'm trying to work my way up to your your status. Uh, it's taken a little while, but I'm, I'm going to get a few days. I'm not taking a full two months, you know. But. <laughs> well, yeah. When I, when I interviewed for the PhD program, the guy, you know, one of the professors asked me, hey, so why do you want to be a professor? And I gave all these answers about, oh, help the kids, build, uh, you know, knowledge, a lot of life. He's like, no, 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 no. The reason you want to be a professor is for June, July, and August. That's why you want to be a professor. All that other stuff, I know you're just saying to, to get in the program, but those are the real three reasons. So I'm in a great mood. It's great to see you guys. Let's let's get into it. Yeah, let's do it. So, I, I, okay. First off, we, we need to cover the LMI. What are we, what are we, uh, what do we got uh, for the most recent release? I guess we are at the end of May, but we, we should still talk about April and, and kind of the trend lines yeah. that we're seeing because we talked about the inventories blowing up, I think. Uh, the last time, and you kind of gave us a kind of a sneak peek in March, uh, you know, with your recorded segment there. But let's let's update everybody. Inventory level growth and the overall transportation sector has kind of been bifurcated. Let's uh, let's hear the latest results. Yeah, absolutely. No, the, the the LMI right now is really you know because we have three big groups of metrics. We have inventories, warehousing, and transportation. Inventories and, and warehousing, you wouldn't know that there's been any change. Uh, from 2021 at all. All those numbers are still coming in pretty high. You know, uh, inventory level growth uh, in April was was 72, uh, which is the third highest uh, number we've ever seen in that space. And the only months that have been higher than what we saw in April were March and February. And so we continue to see this really big expansion in, in inventories. And that, of course, leads to uh, expansions in, in cost. Cost right now is, is at 87 Point seven, uh, which is very, very high levels. Uh, also, again, one of the you know three or four highest uh, readings we've ever seen for inventory costs, and it's so interesting. So, you know, we talked last time I was here about how a lot of the inventories right now are in durable goods, right? Things that got here uh, supposed to be sold in December, showed up in February, couldn't do anything with them. And there's been some some talk. Hey, will will that lead to some deflationary pressure? These really high levels of inventories. And we're not seeing as much as I think people would assume, uh, as much as people would assume, given these just absolutely, you know, warehouses are, are bursting at the seams right now. And there's there's a couple big reasons for that. One is, you know, on the retail side, a lot of this inventory is just out of season. You know, if a winter coat showed up in, in the last week of February, you're not going to really have that on sale in the middle of March. And so a lot of stuff's being, you know, what's called hoteling, where it's being stored just in a warehouse until October, because there's only so much that you can sell off to Ross or the dollar stores or whatever, uh, before you're just, you know, t- totally taken aback. The second piece of it, and and we actually heard this, I, I was emailing back and forth with uh, the CEO of uh, 3PL yesterday, and they are absolutely awash in work in process inventory. So I think we tend to think of it like, okay, well, yeah, there's a lot of, of retail inventories, but there's still no automotives. Autos don't don't have inventories. They do. There's a ton of inventory in the OEM and the automotive sector. The issue is that it's incomplete inventories. And so, you know, auto manufacturers, for instance, 
have 90, 95% of the cars done and they're waiting to put a chip uh, in the top of it. Or they have, you know, all of the steel that we use for chassis or the tires or the engine components, all just filling up factories, but you can't do anything with it. And work in process inventory is way harder on supply chains than finished goods because finished goods, you always have the out of, well, even if we can't sell these, we can put them through the secondary market. We can do something with it. We have all this work in process inventory that's just sitting here and it's leading to real issues. So I, I'm sure that you guys saw, um, you know, last year there was that big picture of all the F-150s uh, with no semiconductors sitting on the, the Kentucky Speedway. Did you guys see that picture? Oh, yeah, we did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I got an update on that. So uh, and this this is from from talking to that guy. So over the winter, you know, it gets pretty cold uh, even, even in Kentucky. And all those trucks were just sitting there and mice and other, you know, associated rodents and varmints uh, got into the trucks and started burrowing into the seats, apparently, and, uh, you know, having having litters over the winter. And so apparently a lot of those trucks now are going to have to be totally gutted because there's been mice living in there uh, for for uh, three or four months. And so, you know, again, this this really shows the importance of, of inventory management and the sort of hidden costs that can come. If you have, uh, you know, way too much inventory or work in process inventory, which is what those trucks were. That is absolutely insane. Uh, you know, you think about, whole, like, I love the point about the work in process inventory, because that's like, I don't, you're kind of making me think through my old cost accounting uh, mentality there. How, like keeping that on the books, and then you have more potential damage. I mean, in trucking, you don't want to, you don't want to sit on freight. Uh, that's not your freight either. It's the same thing because it pilferage and damages and spoilage all come into play if you have to store this freight on your trailer for too long and then you get liability for it. Uh, so yeah, that's a good point. And another one I think this kind of brings back, especially as diving into the LMI here, mm -hmm. we're still seeing that inventory costs are at 87.7 down from 91 percentage points. So <laughs> it's still showing that it's still very much elevated even though we're starting to see a little bit of decline or slightly easing, but it's just like we're just less on fire than we were before. Yeah, but but that's really a, a mild, a mild slowdown. And if we were to, to have the uh, LMI done for May right now, like if we cut it off and it's May 26, so we're, the numbers aren't going to move a ton. Uh, for May, it's, it's, it's an 89. So we're, we're sort of floating in that same area of high 80s, low 90s, um, and, and that also transfers over into the warehouse side. So warehousing, I, I think, um, I think in April warehousing costs were, um, 86 about, and if May was done, they'd be 88. So again, no, no relief over there. And it's due to this, this really high level of inventory that we just talked about. And it's one of the things that's going to continue to, uh, to make recoveries difficult. You know, we still haven't seen the wave of stuff come in uh, from China, which probably, you know, now I, I've seen people saying, oh, maybe June with back to school stuff starts to show up and people try to pull inventories ahead a little bit. I still don't think we're seeing enough sailings coming out of China to to make me think that June is really going to be, I mean, you know, June starts in a week. So I don't, I don't really think June is going to be the big catch up time, but eventually we will, we will see, you know, inventory comeback. And one of the problems, um, when you compare, say, the eventual rebound we'll have in 2022 to the rebound we had in 2020, is in 2020, we had a lot more open space. You know, there was a lot more empty capacity 
in summer of 2020 than there's going to be in late summer and fall uh, of 2022. Our warehouse capacity numbers, um, it, you know, once we include the May report, and and it's the, no matter how much movement we get for this last week of May, there's not going to be enough to get um, capacity for warehousing into a, a expansion uh, phase. Will now have been contracting for 23. Uh, of the last 25 months. And, you know, 25 months is how long the, the pandemic's been going on. So we've had contraction in available warehouse space. And, you know, it's it's the thing that we've talked about before of, okay, you make it through the port. Well, there's three more bottlenecks <laughs> waiting down the line. There's the chassis and the warehouses and then the transportation piece of it. And so even, even when things do start to come in through the ports, uh, they're not going to have anywhere to go. And so we're going to see a little bit of a replay uh, from what we saw in 2021, where there's just containers all over the place and we don't have any room to move. And one of the things that's killing us right now is we have so many empty containers because we haven't been able to send anything back to China in so long. And so uh, the warehousing piece, Anthony, it's, it's good you bring it up, is going to be, in, in, in many ways, the way that transportation uh, was sort of the bottleneck and the limiting factor uh, in 2021, at least through the, the second half of 2022, it's looking like warehousing will be as much, if not more, of a limiting factor uh, than transportation. Probably more would be my guess. Yeah, I, I know that I have talked to a lot of people about not wanting to be an inventory manager in 2022. Uh, that feels like the the tough job of the year, as transportation was, transportation management was uh, in the year prior. So let's let's segue into that transportation sector uh, a little bit here. Now, in our own data, uh, the tender rejection index, of course, falling dramatically, spot rates, as I just mentioned earlier, also falling dramatically through March and April. What are your LMI numbers suggesting? Yeah, so that that's really interesting in, in that I read uh, uh, Craig's article, I think maybe from yesterday, about the gap between spot mm-hmm. and, and contracts is like 90 cents uh, a mile now, I saw. Um, and that's so it's so funny how it's, it's like what you were saying, where increased costs are actually leading to decreased prices uh, yeah. on the spot side, because, you know, it's just it's cratering demand. And now, well, we can fall back on the contracts we already paid for, essentially. Right. One thing that, that I, is interesting um, when we look at our, our numbers. So something that happened in April for the first time since June of 2020 and June of 2020 is really when. We started all come out of lockdown, went out in the sun for the first time, and uh, and things started to open up again. For the first time since June 2020, transportation capacity expanded in April. So it had been contracting, contracting, contracting. We popped up above that in April, and we were at a 57. So for the first time ever, we were we were expanding. At the same time, um, prices went down from where they had been, you know, high 80s, low 90s, just like warehousing in inventory have been all the way down to a 73 basically and so the spread between transportation prices and transportation capacity went from i think um 40 points in march to 17 points in april so so that that window really started to close now it's important to point out a couple things about that one we still saw some growth in price in april right 73 is slower growth, but it's still growth. It, it just seems a lot slower because we slowed down. It's like when you're you know, driving, I don't know how it is in Tennessee, but where I grew up in Nevada, you would be driving from Reno to Vegas and going like, you know, 100 miles an hour uh, on, on the, the, the freeway. 
Um, and then you'd go through all these little towns where suddenly the, the you know, it's, it's 70 and then 50, then 40, then 30 in the space of about a half a mile. And you slow down to 30 and you're like, am I even moving? Like it, it's, I might as well be holding still. Well, you actually are still moving. It's just relative to what you're doing uh, has slowed down a bit. And that's kind of what we saw with, with transportation. Now, another important thing to point out is we don't usually believe every time that we've seen a freight recession uh, in the six years that we've been doing the LMI, the, the rate of growth for capacity has exceeded the rate of growth for price. So those curves that we have, our price curve and our capacity curve invert. Uh, it happened uh, during the sort of trade war and the, the B2B slowdown. It happened uh, during COVID. Every time we've seen a freight recession in the last six years, those lines have inverted. So those lines are closer to each other than they have been. And here's what's so interesting, okay? So in the first half of May, the first half of the May numbers, and I'll give you guys a little, a little sneak peek of what's going to be in the report this month. In the first half of May, those, those lines had crossed. In the first half of May, um, transportation capacity was at a 68 and transportation prices were at 55. So full, full inversion. Here's what's so funny. though: When we put all the numbers together, where we are right now, uh, where we are right now on, on May 26, transportation price is once again higher than transportation capacity. So where it was, um, you know, 68 to 55 today, if we were to, to release the numbers today, capacity is at 64 and prices are actually at 67. And so in the second half of May, we've seen uh, the, the average, uh, you know, for price growth has been 16.3 points higher uh, since May 17th um, from where it was before. So the second half of May, we've seen transportation prices sort of pick up a little bit. Um, capacity has changed a little bit. Capacity shrunk from a 68 to a 61. Uh, so it's not as dramatic. It's not a statistically significant difference. But we do see a statistically significant difference in prices. And so it looks like for now, now things could things could change. You know, another big oil shock or something could happen tomorrow. But for right now, it looks like even though those lines are coming very close, they haven't yet uh, they haven't yet inverted, which gives me pause on on calling for a full freight recession. Man, so it's interesting that you say that about the second half of May. And I know Anthony's got a question for you, but it's we're seeing something similar in our tender rejection. I mean, and of course, Memorial Day, every year this happens, uh, you know, without fail. Memorial Day has a little bit of a bump uh, into it, little contraction capacity. So that's, that's fascinating. And Zach, when we're talking about significance here, I always love to get your input on what's happening upstream versus downstream. Curious to hear what you saw as being significant versus not too significant in the latest report. Yeah, absolutely. So um, when we were looking at our, our significance versus non-significance, and, and just to remind everybody uh, what that means, upstream would be uh, manufacturers, wholesalers, essentially anyone who's not consumer-facing, uh, 3PLs, and, and downstream would be retailers and, and people who are actually probably interfacing with, with consumers. So um, in April, because uh, yeah, I, I don't run these numbers for May until we're totally done with May. But in April, uh, we saw some differences in warehousing utilization, uh, transportation utilization, and, and transportation price. And so our downstream respondents, so retailers, reported warehousing utilization 10.4 points higher. And, and essentially, that, that, that makes sense if you think about the warehouses that retailers are using. They tend to be smaller, you know. 
more warehouses, uh, the majority of warehouses that were built last year were 100,000 feet or, or, or less. Well, I guess a, a plurality would be the way to say it. A greater percentage of, of all warehouses are 100,000 feet or less in urban areas. Those tend to fill up very, very quickly. Um, and so warehouse utilization was higher. We also saw um, transportation utilization was, was eight points higher, a 69 to a 61 uh, in April for our, our downstream folks. And then what's funny uh, is that uh, warehouse prices went the other way. So even though utilization is higher on the downstream side, on the upstream side, prices were actually a little bit higher. Now, both of them were very, very high. It was at 88 to an 81. So both of those are, are crazy are crazy rates of growth. But, but partly, partly we think it's because at least on the downstream side, there's some dynamism to, uh, to things moving through, moving through the supply chain, whereas uh, upstream, a lot of it is static. And so a lot of the warehousing space that they're having to use right now tends to be short-term leases. Um, because, you know, downstream at least, you know, okay, maybe you're, you're using some, some short-term lease stuff, uh, but upstream is really where we're holding a lot of the inventory right now. And so they're turning increasingly to, you know, it's almost the same spot market, contract market debate that, that we have with, with transportation. We're seeing that upstream. And that's why even though the utilization rate is, is growing slightly slower upstream, we see the price growing faster because so much of that is essentially spot market warehousing, which, you know, it's like going on a month to month lease at your apartment. It's, it's not a good economic move. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating because when we're talking about upstream, downstream, it feels like everything's kind of paused upstream at this point still, like with the consumer kind of taking a break and going on vacation for a few days, well-deserved. Uh, the, uh, you know, it's, it's almost like... Enjoy Disney. <laughs> it's almost like the, uh, uh, the market's kind of in a holding pattern, especially on the downstream side. Now, do you think this is... I, but I just, I can't see the breaking point to where all of this stuff just comes down. Where Do you think that this is going to kind of be the pattern for the, throughout 2022? Or it just feels like there has to be a, almost a dam breaking upstream that floods the downstream yeah. at some point, right? Well, the, the thing about upstream downstream is it's a pull system, not a push system. So downstream isn't going to, they're going to pull inventory down from upstream when they're ready for it. It right. doesn't get pushed down uh, by, by upstream. And so because it's a pull system, downstream is really going to dictate in most cases where the inventory uh, moves. And upstream, you know, wholesalers especially tend to be the ones who are sort of stuck with the check because manufacturers, especially if they're on the other side of the ocean, they're not going to take it back. And then if your retailers uh, in the U.S. are canceling orders or delaying orders, now you're sort of sitting here with all this inventory that you can't do anything with, which is why we see uh, upstream, you know, being really aggressive with, with finding new warehouse space and it being really expensive. You know, we also ask people, Next 12 months, where do you see it going? Uh, and our, our warehousing prices upstream were 12 points higher, uh, a 91 relative to an 80, basically a 79, uh, a 91 to a 79 um, upstream versus downstream. And we also saw relatedly inventory costs, nine points higher, also statistically significant, a 91 uh, upstream, uh, 90.7 and an 81 for downstream. So clearly, to, to answer your question, in terms of what, what we see coming, our upstream respondents aren't sure where that breaking point is either, because they're predicting, uh, again, 10 points higher for, for warehousing prices, sorry, 12 points higher for warehousing prices, and nine points higher for inventory costs. So I'm not sure that anybody knows where, where the dam will break. 
So, Zach, we got about a minute here left. Real quick, I want to get your take or one thing that you're going to be watching closely over the next three to four months here. So I've been talking about inventory levels throughout the LMI. And ever since we saw that spike kind of starting to ease up or increase a little bit more in December, we still spoke about utilization. We spoke about capacity. What is going to be one aspect of the LMI? If you could only look at one that you're going to be watching closely over the next few months. So I, I think that we sort of know what's happening with, with warehousing. I think warehousing is going to remain really, really tight. And so as it often does, it comes back to, for me to transportation. Uh, transportation capacity specifically to see if that continues its upward trajectory. Because right now it's gone from you know 40s to a 56 to a 65 or a 66. So huge growth we've seen in transportation capacity in the last two or three months. And I want to see if if now that's going to plateau and we stay somewhere at that because because you know around sixty would actually be a very healthy solid rate of growth, and so that's really the key: is it going to stay in the sixties or is it going to go up to seventies, which is a level I don't think we've ever seen with transportation capacity. And so that to me is the real key because that will tell us everything I think about the health of the American consumer. I think about B two B business and, and just every. You guys always play me off. What's the deal? I, I can't even take my agent. Like what, what's, what's the plan? <laughs> I, I, we don't we don't control it. They do it to us. <laughs> but no, I, I love yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, Dr. Rogers, of course. Thank you as always for joining us. And of course, like and subscribe if you're watching us on YouTube. Have a great day.